I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. I believe that with all my heart. Now, you might be thinking, Kenny, why are you you quoting Paul in the book of Romans when we're talking about 1 Peter? And that's a good question. The answer is we're putting a frame around 1 Peter. See, 1 Peter's context is a bigger context. The context also includes the apostles who believed the same things, who saw the risen Christ. They are the ones who were able to identify this. Like they, they were, some of them were, were able to be in Jerusalem when he rose from the grave. And then Paul later experiences this risen Savior and has a relationship with him as well. This is a big issue because the church is being confronted by the world. Peter, in just a few moments, we're going to see how he has this, uh, this dichotomy. This, there's two kingdoms that we're constantly having to address in our own lives. It's a big deal because there are believers who surrendered to Jesus and they're a little scared and they're timid and they don't know if they're doing the right things and their friends and their families are kind of speaking against them and they just don't know. And with a united effort, all All of the apostles come with this attitude, and we're going to see it in this passage in a little bit. But the attitude is this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Let me break that down a little bit. I am not ashamed. It means I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed about this gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is good news, simply put. But for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. And the bad news is that we have been separated from God because of sin in our own lives. This sin has separated us from God. And because of that, there is bad news. And the bad news is that we will always be separated from God in and of ourselves. But there is a good news that Paul is not ashamed of, that the apostles also embraced and that the early churches lived out. And the faith that has been passed on to us. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And what is that gospel? That we're sinners and need a savior. That Jesus came and he died for our sins. That he conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave. And he gives life to anybody who would call on him. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power. Let me just pause there for a moment. That word power is a great word. It's where we get the English word dynamite. It's like this. This power sets things on fire, sets these obstacles on fire. It's an explosive type of power that removes those obstacles. What is it? It's the gospel. So what does that mean to you and me? That means that we all come before God with our own obstacles. Oh, God. I just, I don't know if I can be good enough. I don't know if I can be smart enough. Well, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I can do the right things. And then we'd have to ask, well, what is, the, what is the number of right things that we have to do? Is it more good or more, you know, more good compared to more bad? Is, is that what is stopping me from going to the Lord, from, from receiving this salvation, this sozo salvation we'll talk more about? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, because even, I could even do the, 
the right things with the wrong heart, which makes it sin. So even that's a problem. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God. It removes the obstacles. Maybe your obstacles are a little different. Maybe your obstacles for coming to God, maybe, maybe it's I, I, you don't feel worthy. Well, here's the reality. None of us are. That's the point. We're not worthy. That's the point of Jesus coming in the flesh. It's the point of him dying on the cross for our sins. It's the point of him conquering sin and death and resurrecting and giving life to people who call them because we can't do it ourselves. So whatever this obstacle is, there is this dynamite power that is called the gospel that can remove it unto salvation. Salvation. So sometimes we talk about saved. Like we use that word often in church, I'm saved. Um, uh, What does it mean? Well, to be saved, we have to ask the question, what are we saved from? Oftentimes people think, I'm saved from sin and death or I'm saved from hell, which is true. But ultimately, what we're really saying and what Scripture teaches is we're saved from the wrath of God. The wrath. The wrath of God is found in the separation from God. It's a place called hell. It's eternal. Jesus says in that place, there's great weeping and gnashing of teeth. It sounds horrible. But that's, that wrath is what we're saved from. So what are we saved to? We're saved to a relationship with God. We're saved to an eternity of life, full life, abundant life that scripture calls it. Eternal life is how it's sometimes referred to. And eternal life doesn't mean we, we get it when we die. It's an extension after this, this side of eternity. Then there's this piece that says, for all who believe, for all who believe. If, if you were following along in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, you don't, you don't have to, but you can. Um, all who believe, that word all, it's a it's really unique Greek word. I went and looked it up. It's kind of funny because uh, all, it could also be translated as, as all, and it means all. That, that's what it means. Uh, it's the same thing, right? It means everybody. It's non-exclusive. It could be anybody. That means I can receive it. It means you can receive it. It means anybody in here can have it. It's a great thing. I love that. Some people will say things like, uh, well, Kenny, you don't know me. If you knew me, if you knew what I was about in the past, if you knew the sins that I carry and the dark thoughts that float around in my head, you, you, wouldn't, you would know that I couldn't be saved. And, and to that, I say, God's bigger than that. He's bigger than your sins. Uh, if we could take all of our sins from, from this room, this group of people, if we could, and just pile them up, God's bigger than that. If we could take all of the sins from all of the people in the whole world right now, God is bigger than that. If we could stretch it into the past and bring it into this place and stack it here, God is bigger than that. If we could go to the future and all of the sins that will ever be and place them here, God is bigger than that. So when I say that... All can believe, all can be saved, anybody, I mean it. Even, even Adolf Hitler? Yeah, what I'm saying is Jesus is bigger than Adolf Hitler if he would have received Jesus as his Savior. No evidence he did, but Jesus is bigger. He's bigger than that. 
That's an amazing thing. That's why we can stand here because we look back at 2,000 years worth of history and we see where the church has walked and what it has given to us today. And one of the things that we can embrace is that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. If you have your Bibles, I I would encourage you to go ahead and open it up to uh, Matthew chapter 10 because Again, we're building some framework to look at this First Peter picture from. And I, I want to share with you, uh, this, this particular passage, or, or this account rather, is found in a couple Gospels. <coughs> uh, starting in verse 26, I, I just want to read it to you. Um, it's such a beautiful thing. Here's what it says. This is Jesus. So, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed. That's scary. Uh, Whatever is hidden, that will not be known. Everything is going to come out in the open at some point. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. That's everybody. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Sometimes I get questions about this, like, oh, is that Satan? That is not Satan. That's God. Satan has no power to throw you into hell. He has no power to judge you. That's what God does. And God does it rightly. And he can divide rightly. And this is not a fear of like um, uh, uh, scared, like unapproachable fear. This is the kind of fear that is respectful and loving and understands like power, right? Like, uh, you know, when you go to... um, the Grand Canyon, and you look over the side, there is this moment of awe and wonder and this, just this beautiful scenery that is laid before you. And it's amazing and it's grand and it's big. And there is this respect for it. And the closer you get to the edge, the more respect you have, right? Like, whoa, this, I, I could die from this. It's that kind of, oh my, you are God. And you are God alone. Continuing on. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. For some of us, that's easier than others. I really would have liked it if you wouldn't have laughed. (laughs) Just kidding. Verse 31. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. If you have your pen, I want to encourage you to underline that. Uh, It's a big deal. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. There are not many times that we can publicly acknowledge our faith. And by the way, I, I think this, uh, this, this passage is kind of a grander view of, of what Jesus means here, but I'm going to get specific. I believe that uh, during communion, when we have communion, is one of these times where we can publicly acknowledge God. It's beautiful. Publicly, I want people to know, I, I, want, I want to follow Jesus. I am, I am standing in faith with other believers saying that Jesus has rescued me. And I love that. I think communion is one of those times. I think baptism is one of those times. What a great time to come forward and say, I, I am connected with Jesus. And, 
and I want you to know that I, I affirm, I align myself with the followers of Christ, that I want to be buried to sin and death and alive in Christ. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Baptism is one of those ways that, that we can fulfill this passage. We saw it today with dedications. Uh, what a great way for people to say, you know what? I, I, my household, I want to be about Jesus. My life, I want to be about Jesus. I want to connect with people who love Jesus. And I want to, I want to be in fellowship with them. And I want my children to know and love this Lord. And publicly, I want you to know, I think this passage, they in part fulfill this passage. And this is the framework that we're building. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I have a challenge. And right from the very beginning, before we get into the, the text today, I have a challenge. And it's not to embarrass anybody. It's not to, um, uh, to manipulate. It's not to force anything. If this is not true of you, it is okay that you don't participate. But if it's true of you, I want to give you an opportunity to fulfill this passage even today, to publicly acknowledge uh, that you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or at least you don't want to be ashamed. You want to walk in faith. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do f- today with me. Would you be willing to stand right now? Just stand right where you are to say, I, I want to be about Jesus. I want to be about his business. I want to follow him. If that's not you, it's okay. You don't have to. There's no pressure. But I do want to take a moment and just pray for you right now. Just pray for uh, what's going on in your world, what God maybe has for you, and maybe just even some protection for your own heart as we move forward and jump into the Word. Jesus, we love you, and I thank you. I thank you for each person here today, and for those who are standing who are saying, you know what, I do, I want to be a... I I want to stand for Jesus. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I recognize it is the power of God unto salvation, and I believe. And Lord, they're they're here today, and they're doing that. And so I I ask, Lord, in a very real way that each person you would speak to their heart, that you would strengthen them and encourage them. And in these dark days, we need light, the light of the life of Jesus Christ. So Lord, would would you light these families up, these friends up. Lord, would you, would you light a way that, Lord, one of the things about the darkness is that it, it hates light so much that it flees from light whenever, whenever light is around, it flees. And so, Lord, I, I pray that in this, these dark days that the light of Christ would illuminate these steps. The people around us, our loved ones, ourselves, that we would be walking in your ways. For it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Before you sit down, before you do, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to just kind of do, do a turn and look around at the people who are with you. If, if you need to make it look like a stretch, that's cool. That you can do that. <laughs> um, but look around at the people who are standing with you who are saying, yeah, I want to do this together. And let's give the Lord a praise offering right now. Can we do that? Amen. All right. Let's get into the Word. Go ahead and find your seat. We're in 1 Peter, and we're going to go to chapter 4. And uh, I, I apologize to you. Verse 5, I will be reading, but it's not on, uh, on the slides uh, I missed that when we put these together, so I, I apologize. 
You don't have to send me an email later letting me know I got it. So, <laughs> uh, Peter is going to put us in a situation. And the situation is to identify their two kingdoms. He's been weaving this throughout his message. There are these two kingdoms, and in this one kingdom is this kingdom of the world. And in this kingdom, it's all about the flesh. Like, man, whatever makes you feel good, you just do that. You just dig right in, and it's okay. And then there's this other kingdom, and it's the kingdom of God, and it's about the spirit. And there is hope, and there is joy, and you see it. And woven into this message (coughs) is this concept. Though it doesn't come quite out and say it this way, I I like the principle behind it because, again, it helps illuminate our way. And it's this, that for, for the believer, the follower of Jesus, the closest we ever get to hell is earth. That's it. Now, what that does for the believer, by the way, is it keeps us looking forward. Man, the best is yet to come even. It's okay. Hey, you, 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 you want my tunic? I know we don't have tunics anymore, but I'm just quoting Jesus. Um, you want my tunic? You can have it. I don't need it. You, you want me to go a mile with you? I'll go too. That's fine. Something better is coming. Like, this, this doesn't get in my way. That's for the believer. But there's this other kingdom. And this other kingdom is this kingdom of the flesh, this worldly kingdom. And the closest that they ever get to heaven is here on earth. Here on earth. Uh, that's concerning. And we're going to see that lived out. And the question that, that is... That is uh, really kind of mm, quietly shared in this passage is this. Well, are you going to straddle the fence on this? Or are you going to choose to walk how you were created and the purpose you were made to walk? Well, we're going to see that as we look at these two kingdoms. So go ahead and jump in. We're in First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to walk through it together. I recognize there's quite a bit here. And, and I also understand... I, I'm skimming over some of this because at, at least one verse, verse 6 specifically, uh, is one of those verses that books have been written, volumes have been written about. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know, maybe you want to stay here till 8 or 9. But let's go ahead and let's look over it. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of cut to the chase on it and uh, share with you what most theologians, theologians have agreed to. All right, with that in mind, verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. The word thinking, it can mean mind or purpose. It's used that way several times. So our mind, our purpose should align with Jesus. That's what Peter wants us to know. Whatever we're doing, our mind needs to align there. Uh, We recognize that in the early church, the teaching was that the transformation comes through the renewing of our mind from Romans chapter 12. So our mind plays a big part of this transformation uh, that we live and actually the direction that we go. Not that it's all in our mind, but rather our minds are focused on the right things. And Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter starts us right there. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Uh, that, that word ceased uh, can also, and really the context really renders it, released. Now, here's what Peter is trying to say. That when we suffer, we have a tendency to focus on the things that matter. 
we, we have a tendency to not be in this kingdom, this kingdom of the flesh of the world, but to walk in this kingdom of God, the kingdom of the spirit. And uh, you might recognize that even in your own life, as maybe you've suffered with a, a health situation or, or physical pain. Isn't it amazing how we go from like all of these thoughts to really zeroing in on God in a unique way? Now, we experience God in a unique way through suffering. That's why Paul talks about uh, the, the joy of the fellowship of the suffering of Christ. There's joy in the fellowship of suffering in Christ. Why? Because it trains us to focus on what really matters. It takes us to where we need to be. Continuing on. So as to live, underline that word, live, it's an important one, for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then underline that term, will of God. We're going to see this played out in, the next, uh, in these verses through verse 11. We're going to see some, uh, the, the kingdom of the world. That's not the will of God, the kingdom of the world. Then we're going to see this kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of the spirit. We're going to see what, what it means to live that out. Uh, these two kingdoms play out through the verse 11. Uh, identified, though, what God wants from us in verse 17. So there's this big hint here at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, I want you to know we're focusing on the will of God. At the end of the chapter, what is that? To obey the gospel of God, the good news of God, uh, in verse 17. But before we, before we go there, I, I want to say something, because this is so important. When we, when we read scriptures, oftentimes, we look at these passages as do's and don'ts. And if, if we do that, we're missing the context. So here's what I mean. When you read the don't do's and the do do's, <laughs> I didn't mean to make that pun. I feel bad. I wish I could bring that back. And can we erase that? Um, but when, when, we, when we do what the will of God is, when we do that, we're not doing it in the flesh. Uh, that's behavior modification. What we have is the spirit of God that empowers us to do it. It's transformative in nature. We're being changed. Verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. The word Gentiles is a word ethnos in Greek. Um, it's where we get words like ethnic. It's used a lot of different ways. It can be used as a multitude of people, like many people in an area. It can also mean an entire nation. It can also mean a tribe or a smaller group of people. It's, some, it's often used uh, in the Gospels as people outside of the nation of Israel. But it's sometimes used throughout the rest of the New Testament to include this group of people who don't have Jewish background in the church. That's what Peter is addressing here. There are a group of people who come from outside of the Jewish nation. So they, they don't know these laws. They don't know these rules. They don't get it. And he's going, to, he's going to tell them, fuller context, empowered by the Holy Spirit, don't do these things. And do these things. Let me tell you why. This is what the, the world does. This is what the Spirit of God does. Okay, continuing on. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. 
With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. Underline that word debauchery. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. Uh, so this, this worldly nation, this, this worldly way, if we could say it that way, this kingdom, uh, the best they have is right now. That's the best they have. And the only way that they can experience it is in, is in the flesh, is in the right now. And it's debauchery. We're going to talk about what that means in just a second. Because right now is as close to heaven as they have. The hope for the future is not great. That's what Peter wants us to know. This debauchery here, it's a unique word uh, in the Greek. It comes, the, the root of it is sozo. I mentioned it earlier, it means save. But the prefix is, is uh, uh, the uh, a, so it's negated, it's negative, it's used this way, like, okay, we're really embracing the flesh, we're pleasuring the flesh in a variety of ways. Um, uh, so it's used in terms of debauchery, but if you want a specific, like, how could that be translated? It could also be translated as unsaved or not saved. So, so this worldliness acts like unsaved, not saved people, which is different than what you are, church, is the point that Peter is making. And they malign you. So they don't understand. Like, why would you not do this? This is loads of fun right now. Why would you not do this? Why don't you join me in this? Why can't you have fun with me? Well, well, that's not fun. And there's actually consequences to that. Yeah, but what else do we have? Yeah, well, there are consequences. And those consequences I'm not interested in. In fact, I know there's something better. And that something better is now. And that, that something better comes with peace and it comes with freedom. And I don't have to have this addiction to my flesh. I can live outside of that because I've been set free in Christ because of what he has done for me. Empowered by the Spirit of God, I want to walk in this way. Continuing on. Verse 5. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Don't, don't miss this piece. The ultimate judge is God. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Uh, John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And they're talking about worship, real worship. And he says that real worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth, because God is spirit, and we worship in spirit. Some people have looked at this passage, uh, verse 6, and like I said, I'm just going to whittle this down uh, without getting into all of the uh, different theological views. This seems to be talking in the context that we're looking, this is talking about believers of the past, people who have given their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have laid it down. It was transformative, and even though the world judged them in such a way and penalized them and punished them in such a way that it cost them their lives, they are experiencing life on a level that we can't wait to. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, so we've switched now. What does the, what does the kingdom of God look like? looks like this. 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, this is how we're supposed to live. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly. Well, well, yeah, but what happens when I don't like them? It says keep loving them earnestly. Well, what happens when we don't agree? Well, what it says here is keep loving one another earnestly. Well, what happens when their opinion is different than mine? Well, what it says is keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Holy Spirit, for using Peter to put that in there. I, I love this. I don't know if you have people in your life like this, but they'll, they'll say and do things, and you're like, man, if I didn't know you, <laughs> I, I would not take that. But because you know they love you, because you know they care about you, you can receive that. Like, it's okay. I know you're actually looking out for me. Maybe your delivery is not the way I wanted it, but you're speaking truth, and you love me. Love covers a multitude of sin. Verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. I love that. What are you saying? Let me just summarize it. Whatever your gifts are, use it for the glory of God. Serve one another with them. They're they're not for us to keep to ourselves. They're they're to care for one another, to love one another. If if God has gifted you as a teacher, then teach for the glory of God. If God has, has gifted you and you're an electrician, great, use it for the glory of God. For the believer, there is no secular work. Everything is sacred. Whatever we do. And it's laced into all aspects of our life. Verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. There are these two kingdoms. This kingdom doesn't understand that kingdom. That's going to come at times in the form of persecution. Over the last hundred years, more people have lost their lives for Jesus Christ than all of the others combined, I'm told. That's a big deal. Why? Because people are willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm about Jesus. Well, if you're going to be about Jesus, that's going to cost you. Okay. This isn't the end. This is as close to hell as I'm getting anyways. What am I going to lose? It's that attitude that God is in control. This mindset that is transforming because of God's Spirit in us. Let's continue on. Verse 13. But rejoice in insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. There's the better, it's coming. It's going to get better. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And I'm just going to share this. Like this is, this is from my heart because I've seen a lot of, a lot of believers, people I love, use this passage and, and take it a little bit out of context in this way. They did something that was, it was dumb. They did something dumb. It was something they didn't need to do. It was something they chose to do. Um, and the way that they presented themselves were unwise and people didn't like it. And then they, they looked at this passage and said, well, yeah, but when I stand for Jesus, I'm going to be persecuted. 
No, when you're being dumb, people are going to pick on you. Stop it. Like, that's the truth. But there are going to be those times when you're like, you know what, Jesus, I love you, and I'm going to follow you. And, and these people, they don't appreciate that about me. And I love them too, even, even when they're, they mean harm. Because, God, you have something better, and it's coming. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, as a meddler. That word meddler, it, it means uh, to be a bishop of other people's stuff. <laughs> Isn't that a, that's a weird phrase. Uh, don't oversee other people's stuff. Meddler is the word we use. Verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. There's that word again, underline it. Let them not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name, for it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Because that's the point, to obey the gospel of God. What is the will of God in verse, three, or, uh, in verse 2? Uh, what is the will of God? To obey the gospel of God. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And there's a lot there. There's a lot that's being stated in that. But the overview is that we have two kingdoms that we live in that we're made aware of. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have this life that is not behavior modification, but spiritual transformation that is directing us toward a goal. And that goal is complete, absolute unity and fellowship with God. And it's good. And it's life-giving. And it's affirming. So let's look at this. If that's true, then we are not. We're not a few things, according to this passage and the fuller context of it. Uh, the first thing is, we are not of this world. We're not of this world. Like, is there a reason that you look at stuff, whether that's on the news or in social media or, or whatever, whatever uh, platform you're, you're looking at, and you go, this just isn't right? Yeah, because it's the world. And everything in you should be against that. Like, your heart should break. That's not right. That's not okay. Yeah, because we're not of this world. We're also not this worldly. <laughs> it's not about this world. I'm, what I'm not saying is um, you shouldn't put money into retirement. That's not what I mean, okay? So, so that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about, though, is, is investing in the kingdom, that might be financial, but more specifically, it's with our attitudes and actions and our service. Like, it floors me, floors me when I hear uh, churches say, you know what, only about 10% of our people are engaged in serving in any way in our fellowship. Like, that's heartbreaking. How can that be? Well, I just have so much going on. Like, what? Stuff. This world things. Oh, man, we're going to let our calendars rule us? Or are we going to invest in the kingdom? And I, I say that number, and I specifically said other churches, because I sincerely don't know uh, what that is here at Friendship. I sincerely, I don't know what that number is. But is that you? 
Third thing, judged by this world. We are not judged by this world. I mean, they, they may render some judgments, but ultimately we're not judged by this world. Uh, this world is not our standard. There are things we should honor our government, absolutely. Uh, we, should, uh, we should love and pray for those who are in leadership from a variety of ways, but our judge ultimately is God, and he's good, and he's right, and he can do it without bias. We, we want to be really careful of this. We were, uh, we were at a bookstore one time, and in this bookstore, I was walking by, and I saw, I saw this lady in the self-help area, and it was a bunch of new age, weird, wacky stuff, and she was just really getting into it. And I had this pressure in, in my heart, just like this nudging. You ever have those thoughts that kind of come outside of your brain? It's not something that you generated. Um, I, was it God? Was it a new thought? I don't know. Uh, but I believe it was a nudging from the Holy Spirit to go talk to this person. Guys, I chickened out. I was like, no way, I don't want to talk to her. And I walked out, and I was a little nervous, too, about it. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. But I was a little nervous and, and, and kind, of, kind of ashamed of myself. And I'm walking away, and it was, like, it was almost like God was saying, what are you scared of? Are you scared that she's going to erase your name from the Lamb's Book of Life? Like, she can't do that. What are you scared of? And I, I think it's that. I don't want to be judged. Why? Who cares? What are they going to do? Erase our name from the Lamb's Book of Life? It's not going to happen. That's not their power. So we can stand and say, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And that power is explosive. And that power ignites the obstacles in the way and removes them. So who are we? We we have some things. The first thing we have is the spiritual birth. In chapter 1, Peter talks about that. We are, we are born again. Uh, also, John chapter 3 talks about that. Being born again. That is a new life. And it's a real new life. Okay, let's, like, Don't miss this. This is something that Jesus teaches. The early church proclaimed and lived out and is true in our lives and in our churches even today that we have to be born again. And there is the spiritual life. The word that's used at least in 1 John is sperma. Uh, it, It has this idea of the spiritual DNA that's been placed in us. That we are being transformed. That we look differently than we used to. Just like a baby, you know, these babies, they, they come and they, they're babies and they look like babies. And then they grow and they look better. And the older they get, <laughs> the, older they, the older they get, you might go, man, they look a lot like their mom and dad. I didn't really see it when they were babies, but the older they get, the more they look like their dad. And that's cool. And I remember when your dad looked that way and, you know, all those kind of things. But it's true spiritually, too. Like, early on, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who you look like. Um, but as we mature in our faith, wow, you're starting to look like Jesus. Man, I like that Jesus in you. That's pretty cool. And so there is this spiritual birth, and that spiritual birth gives way to a transformation 
where we are stepping out of one kingdom and into this new kingdom and this transformation is occurring and we start to look a little different and then we see this growth plan, this uh, uh, the spiritual growth plan that emerges as we get into the Word and walk in the Spirit. It's identified several times throughout the Scriptures, and this ultimately is spiritual life. And what Peter is implying in this passage is this spiritual life affects and infects all of life. There is no secular Christian. There is sacred And that sacred infects all areas of our lives. There might be some places where it's not appropriate to stand on your desk and shout the gospel. Right? That might be true. But it's no less sacred. Whether you're a a pastor or a teacher or an electrician or a plumber or uh, a CEO or a bank, it doesn't matter. It's all sacred. It's the spiritual life. And so as the worship team comes, I want to challenge us again. Are we living this out? We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Are we living this out? And as you just kind of in in this moment think that through, uh, I want to share uh, one other thing. In just a moment, we'll be doing uh, offering a little bit different today than we have. Uh, they'll be coming forward with the buckets just in the, the row. If you have an offering, that's great. You can place it in there. If you have a Connect card, that's great. You can place it in there. Uh, no, pressure, uh, no pressure to do so. There are other ways to give as well. It's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Is that as they come and as the offering, as you see that bucket, just be thinking, am I placing my life in this offering to Jesus? Am I I giving him myself? Am I not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? As the worship team comes, let me pray for us. Lord, we do love you and we praise you. We thank you, almighty God, that you are good all the time. And I thank you, Lord, for this framework that you've given us and a reminder as we jump into this passage and look at it, that there is a bigger context here. And there are a group of people, uh, Lord, who loved you and who passed on this message and they passed on this message and they passed on this message. And this life has been given to us even here today because of the faithfulness of believers in the past. And we stand today saying we are not ashamed of this gospel that we have received because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And Lord, we, we receive that even now. Lord, we place this offering into your hands. And I, I pray specifically for the financial side of this offering, that you would help us as a church to be wise, to spend things appropriately in a way that honors you, as the church has done in the past and as they do in the present, and we ask that we would continue in the future to do just that. That, Lord, that we would look to invest in your kingdom with these funds for your glory. And, Lord, as as we do this, we're also asking this question, if our lives have been offered to you, and it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray.